are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney. And throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, head on over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights on the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page with others who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria teaches how to pray and meditate, teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady, teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 224. And we are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 5, Paragraphs 368 to 374. Chapter 5. The favors bestowed upon the apostles by Christ the Savior on account of their devotion to his most holy mother, and the sad perdition of Judas on account of neglect of this devotion. 368. One of the great miracles of divine omnipotence and a wonder of wonders was the conduct of the Most Holy Mary toward the apostles and disciples of her Son and Savior Christ. A full account of her wisdom is impossible to human tongue, and if I would wish to describe no more than what I have made to understand concerning this matter, I would be obliged to write a large volume. I will touch upon it in this chapter, and an occasion requires in the rest of this history. All that I can say is very little— Yet, from it, the faithful can infer enough for their instruction. All those whom the Savior received into his divine school were to see and treat familiarly his most blessed mother. Hence, he infused into their hearts a special reverence and devotion toward the blessed lady. But though this infused reverence was common to all, it was not equal in all the disciples. For the Lord distributed his gifts according to his free will in reference to their dispositions and in accordance with the duties and offices for which each one was destined. By conversation and familiar intercourse with the great queen and lady, their reverential love and devotion was to grow and increase. For the blessed lady spoke to all, loved them, consoled them, instructed and assisted them in their necessities without ever permitting them to leave her conversation and presence unreplenished by interior joy and consolation, greater than they had asked for. Yet the measure of good fruit derived from them was dependent upon the disposition of the heart of those that received these favors. 3.69 They were all enabled to begin their intercourse with the Mother of God in high admiration of her prudence, wisdom, purity, holiness, and great majesty, and were made sensible of sweetness in her inexpressibly humble and pleasing. This was so ordained by the Messiah because, as I have said in the fifth book, chapter 22, it was not yet time to reveal this mystic ark of the New Testament to the world. 
Thus, just as the Lord, however much he wished to break forth in her praise, could not manifest it in words and concentrated it with his heart, so the holy apostles, sweetly constrained into silence, found a vent for their fervent feelings in a so much the more intense love of Most Holy Mary and praise of her Maker. As the great lady, on account of her peerless insight, knew the natural disposition of each of the disciples, his measure of grace, his present condition and future office, she proceeded according to this knowledge in her petitions and prayers, in her instructions and conversings with them, and in the favor she obtained for each in support of his vocation. Such a loving zeal in the conduct of a mere creature, so entirely pleasing to the wishes of his Lord, excited a new and boundless admiration in the holy angels. Of no less admiration was the hidden providence of the Almighty, by which the apostles were made to correspond to the blessings and favors received by them at the intercession of the Most Holy Mother. All this caused a divine harmony of action hidden to men and manifest only to the heavenly spirits. 370. Especially signalized for the reception of the sacramental favors were St. Peter and St. John, the former because he was destined to be the vicar of Christ and head of the militant church, and because he therefore deserved the special reverence and love of the Holy Mother, the latter because he was to take the place of the Lord after his passion in attending upon and conversing with the Heavenly Lady upon earth, as therefore the government and custody of the mystic church, namely of Mary Immaculate, and of the visible militant church, namely the faithful on earth, was to be divided between these two apostles. It was no wonder that they should be singularly favored by the great queen of the world. But as St. John was chosen to serve Mary and attain the dignity of an adopted son of the mistress of heaven, he at once began to experience special urgings of grace and signalized himself in the service of Most Holy Mary. Although all the apostles excelled in devotion to the queen beyond our power to understand or conception, the evangelist St. John penetrated deeper into the mysteries of this city of God and received through her such divine enlightenment as to excel all the other apostles. This is also evident from his gospel, John 21.20. All the divine insight therein manifested, he received through the queen of heaven and the distinction of being called the beloved disciple of Jesus. He gained by his love toward the Blessed Mother. As this love was reciprocated by the Heavenly Lady, he became the most beloved disciple both of Jesus and Mary. 371. The evangelist, besides chastity and virginal purity, possessed some other virtues which were especially pleasing to the queen. Among them were a dove-like simplicity, as is manifest from his writings, and a great gentleness and humility, which made him most meek and tractable. The Heavenly Mother always looked upon the peaceful and the humble as the most faithful imitators of her divine Son. On this account, the Blessed Queen favored St. John above all the other apostles, and he himself became more and more anxious to serve her, with ever-increasing reverential love and affection. From the very first moment of his vocation, St. John commenced to excel all the rest in piety toward the Mother Mary, and to fulfill the least of her wishes as her most humble slave. He attended upon her more assiduously from the rest, and whenever it was possible, he sought to be in her company and take upon himself some of the bodily labors connected with her present life. Sometimes it happened that the fortunate apostle competed with the holy angels in his zeal, for thus assisting the great queen, while she still more eagerly sought to perform these works of humility herself. For in this virtue, she triumphed over all the creatures, and none of them could ever hope in the least to surpass or equal her in acts of humility. The beloved disciple was very diligent in reporting to the heavenly lady 
the works and miracles wrought by the Savior, whenever she herself cannot be present, and in informing her of the new disciples converted by his teaching. He was constantly alert and studious to serve her in the least of her wishes, fulfilling each one of them with a loving eagerness. 372. St. John also distinguished himself by the reverence with which he spoke to Mary, for in her presence he always called her lady or my mistress, and in her absence he entitled her Mother of our Master Jesus. After the ascension of the Lord, when speaking of her, he was the first to call her Mother of God and of the Redeemer of the world, and when speaking to her, he addressed her Mother and Mistress. In her honor, he invented also the other titles calling her the Propitiation for Sin and Mistress of Nations. In particular, St. John invented the title Mary of Jesus, as she was often called in the primitive church. And he gave her that name because he knew that the sound of these words awoke the sweetest memories in the heart of the Blessed Virgin. I also desire to give joyful thanks to the Lord, that without my merits he has called me to the light of holy faith, and to the religious life which I profess under this very name of Mary of Jesus. The other apostles were well aware of the favor in which he stood with Most Holy Mary, and they often asked him to be their messenger in their behalf for what they desired to say or to ask of their queen. The gentle intercession of this holy apostle often procured for them tokens of the loving kindness of the sweetest mother. Concerning this intercourse of St. John was the mother of grace. I will say more in the third part, and it would be easy to write an extensive history in merely mentioning the favors and blessings obtained by St. John from the mistress and queen of the world. 373. Next to St. Peter and St. John, St. James was most beloved by the Blessed Mother. He was the brother of St. John. And as we shall see from the instances to be related in the third part of this history, he obtained admirable favors at the hands of the great lady. Also, St. Andrew was among those especially favored by the queen, because she knew of his great devotion to the Passion and the Cross of Christ, and of his being destined to die on it like his divine master. I will not stop to speak of her love toward the other apostles, for she regarded them with all the affection, some on account of one virtue, some on account of another, and all of them because of their connection with her most holy son. This affection toward them she showed with rarest prudence, humility, and charity. Magdalene also had a share in her special love, for Mary knew that the love of this woman for her son was almost ardent, and that this great penitent was eminently chosen for the manifestation of the magnificence of God's mercy toward men. Most Holy Mary distinguished her before the other women in her familiar intercourse, and enlightened her in regard to the most exalted mysteries, by which she was inflamed still more the love of Magdalene toward Jesus and toward herself. The Holy Penta consulted the Heavenly Lady in regard to her desire of retreating into solitude in order to live in continual contemplation and penance, and the sweetest mother instructed her in the deep mysteries of solitary life. This life she afterwards embraced with the consent and blessing of the queen. Later on, Mary visited her in the retreat in person, and by means of the angels, often encouraged and consoled Magdalene in the horrors of the desert. The other women, who were in the company of Jesus, were much favored by the Most Blessed Mother. All of them, and all the disciples of the Lord, experienced her incomparable kindness, and they were filled with an intense devotion and affection toward the Mistress and Mother of Grace. They drew of the treasure of grace from her as from a storehouse where God had laid up his gifts for the whole human race. I do not dwell longer on this doctrine, for aside of it being unnecessary since it is expounded by our holy church, it would consume much time to do it justice. 
374. I will, however, say something of that which has been made known to me concerning the wicked apostle Judas. For it belongs to this history, and less is known of him. It will, at the same time, be a warning to the obstinate, and an admonition for those little devoted to the most blessed Mary. For it is a sad truth that there should be any mortals who entertain little love toward a creature so lovable, and one whom the infinite God himself loves with bound or measure, whom the angels love with all their heavenly powers, the apostles and the saints from their inmost souls, whom all creatures should eagerly strive to love, and who never can be loved according to her merits. Yet this unhappy apostle strayed from the royal road of divine love and its blessings. The understanding which has been given me concerning this defection for the purpose of making it known in this history is contained in the following paragraphs. This concludes our reading today for day number 224. We have been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 5, paragraphs 368 to 374. When I read the title of this chapter, I knew that I was going to enjoy it. Because I always think about the early love and devotion that the apostles of Jesus had for Mary, her love for them, and their love for her. Interestingly, we hear in the very first paragraph today, if number 368, that each person is given a different devotion to Our Lady. Everybody doesn't love her to the same extent or in the same ways. But we did hear he infused into their hearts a special reverence and devotion toward the Blessed Lady. My devotion to Mary is going to look different than your devotion to Our Lady. I really brought this out in my new book, How They Love Mary, in which I chronicled and profiled 28 different individuals, saints, holy men and women, and their devotion to the Blessed Mother, what they said about her, how they were devoted to her, and each one had a very special devotion to Our Lady, but each one expressed it in different ways. And Mary, knowing the apostles, we heard today, proceeded according to this knowledge in her petitions and prayers, in her instructions and conversings with them, and in the favor she obtained for each, in the support of his vocation. Mary prays to Almighty God for the apostles, prays for their vocation. Well, if you're a priest, ask Our Lady to pray for your vocation then, that you might faithfully live it. If you're religious, the same. If you're married, dear Blessed Mother, pray for me and my spouse that we might have a marriage that was holy like yours. Help us to love one another. Our Lady interceded for their vocation, and she wants to intercede for our vocations as well. I wasn't surprised that John had the most tender devotion to Our Lady, John, the one who was faithful to the very end, stood beneath the cross of Jesus, John, whose care Mary was entrusted. For Jesus, who was dying on the cross, knowing John's dedication and devotion to his mother, must have made it very easy for him in that moment to look down and say, Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And then we heard a reference to the city of God. The evangelist St. John penetrated deeper into the mysteries of this city of God and received through her such divine enlightenment. The title of this book, The Mystical City of God, that mystical city is Our Lady, and we are getting to know that city of God, that we, her devotees, 
that we are citizens of that city of God. I thought it was very tender, too, the different names that we heard of the Blessed Mother. Of course, today we have so many titles, so many names for Our Lady, but we hear some of the simple ones. The Propitiation for Sin, the Mistress of Nations, or Mary of Jesus. We are told that that's one that she thoroughly enjoyed, and of course, being called Mary of Jesus. Jesus was born of her, and because of who Jesus is, this is why she's so important, why she's so significant. Hearing the name of her son as people say, Mary of Jesus, she's able to recall all the different events, all the different ways that she loved her son throughout her life, the different experiences that they had. And then, because of John's tender devotion for the Blessed Mother, the other apostles aware of it ask him, in a sense, to be an intermediary, convey this to our mother. They would ask John to do that. If you want to grow in your love and devotion to Our Lady, well, ask St. John to help you. I often remark during the year of St. Joseph, I, I would pray, St. Joseph, help me to love Mary like you loved her. And now we can add St. John. St. John, help me to be devoted to Mary as you were. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.